Hello, and welcome to the Brooke Club. I'm Brooke. Thank you for being here. Today, I'm going to be recapping a show rather than a book. The show is called Sharp Objects, which is based on the book of the same title by Jillian Flynn. Sharp Objects was adapted into a miniseries in 2018, and you can find it on Max, previously known as HBO Max. It's a miniseries, as I said, so it's short, it's bingeable. There are eight 40-minute episodes. In this podcast episode, I will I will be recapping the first four episodes, or the first half of the series, and then I will record an episode recapping the last half of the show. I would recommend the show for those who like mysteries and those who like tense and dark themes. There are shocking twists. I would highly recommend this show. Obviously, I will be spoiling both the book and the show, so if you haven't watched Sharp Objects, watch it before you listen to this podcast episode so you don't hear any spoilers. But also, in my opinion, this episode would be most fun to listen to right after watching the show. I'm going to quickly give my overview of the book as my opinions on the book are a little different than my opinions on the show. First off, there are some content warnings I want to give which apply to the book and the show. There are a lot of content warnings. Um, There are depictions of self-harm, child abuse, specifically Munchausen syndrome by proxy. We see murder, rape, suicide, drug use, and alcoholism. So I actually read Sharp Objects for the first time a few years ago. And to be perfectly honest, right after I finished reading Sharp Objects, I couldn't say that I loved it. I definitely had conflicting feelings about the book. My thoughts were that it was very strange and that's partially because I felt the relationship between Emma and Camille was odd. The way Emma behaved around Camille felt inappropriate even if she wasn't being overt. That being said, this book had a great ending. It was very satisfying. When I say satisfying, I mean all my questions were answered, number one, and the ending makes sense. As in, it makes sense that the character would commit murder. I understand their motives, as unhinged as they may be. Um, From what I know about that character, it makes sense that they would do what they do. Um, So basically, I have conflicting opinions on this book. (laughs) Let's get into episode one. Amy Adams, who I adore, plays journalist Camille Preaker. She is sent to Wind Gap by her boss to investigate the murder of a little girl um, named Ann Nash and to investigate a missing girl um, who is named Natalie Keene. Camille is hesitant to go, but her boss essentially says, I'm your boss, you gotta go. Camille says that... um, Well, Camille's from Wind Gap, first of all, and she tells her boss that the town of Wind Gap is a mix between old money and trash, and she says she's trash from old money, so we get a little glimpse into her wit, a little witty personality. The town is very small, there are 2,000 people, and her mom, stepdad, and half-sister still live there. In the first episode, we learn that Camille drinks a lot. We see her drinking all day long as well as drinking and driving. I thought it was funny though when she's offered some alcohol at the search party she says she can't because she's on the job as if she hasn't been drinking all day. So yes she definitely hides her drinking. 
The town of Windgap is spooked. Some parents don't allow their girls to leave home, and there is a strict curfew at night. Camille heads to the police station to get info on the girls, and there she meets Chief Victory, who doesn't want to talk about the girls. She also meets Detective Willis during uh, the search party for Natalie, and then at the bar she sees him again that night. Um, I was happy to know that uh, Richard Willis is the same guy as Danny from the Windy Project. So cute. Chris Messina. Okay, and then at the bar, we also see John Keene, who is Natalie Keene's brother, drinking, even though he's underage. Um, Camille goes home, to her old, old home, I should say, and asks her mom if she can stay for a few days. And her mom is super hesitant to let her in. It's definitely tense and awkward around the family. Um, but she reluctantly says yes, that Camille can stay. Um, so her mom, Adora asks Camille not to speak about the cases while and while she's here she says she will pretend you're on summer vacation so she's deliberately being ignorant which I think is an important point throughout this series Um, Adora also says don't embarrass me so again she cares a lot about her reputation around town she just generally doesn't seem warm towards her daughter Camille continues her investigation the next day by interviewing Anne's dad, Bob. He explains that Anne was going to bike to her friend's house and never got there. Bob says that people in the in the town don't like their family because they, quote, keep to themselves. And he blames Efsler, John Keene, for the murder of Anne. He also claims that people are suspicious of him. People in town think that he might have killed his daughter. Camille wonders if John Keene is a suspect of the police. So during the climax of the episode, they find the missing girl, Natalie, dead, propped up in the window of an alley. Now it officially seems like there's a serial killer in town. In episode one, we're also introduced to Camille's half-sister, Emma. Uh, Adora absolutely does not want Anna, Emma to go out, out at night, but Emma often sneaks out and gets up to trouble. Emma is a different person when she's out with her friends versus when she's at home. Her mannerisms are different. She speaks different. She dresses different. She says her mama would die if she saw her in her civvies. Emma is her mom's little doll and speaking of doll and dolls Emma shows Camille her dollhouse she's making this dollhouse as a replication of the house that she lives in the outside looks exactly like that house and she's making all the uh all the rooms inside a replication of their actual house uh Emma seems excited that Camille is there she says you're so pretty and now we can be sisters we are also introduced to Marion, uh, who had passed away when uh, Camille was little. That was her sister. And we see Marion's bedroom. It's like a museum. It's kept exactly the same. Nothing has changed since she passed away. In the last scene of episode one, we see Camille's scars all over her body um, as if she has written words on her skin with a knife or other sharp object. 
The last point I want to make about episode one is that there are two types of flashbacks we see. Two young girls, um, Camille and another child who we find out later is Miriam. We see them roller skating around town, sneaking home, playing together, and then we see Miriam sick in bed. When Camille is a little bit older, she discovers a a uh, shack in the woods, and inside is pornography in the form of photographs. We get flashbacks to Miriam's funeral. Um, it's quite sad. We see Camille trying to wipe the makeup off Miriam's body, and she gets pulled away from the the coffin. So we can infer at the very least Miriam's death seems to have made Wind Gap a haunted place for Camille. And then the last type of flashback we see is a janitor's cart. On the cart is cleaning supplies and then we see a bunch of dripping blood and we don't know what that is in reference to but we will find out. Okay episode two. It is revealed by the police that Natalie's body has had her teeth pulled out post-mortem and they are assuming that they were removed with household pliers. We see none other than Sydney Sweeney. She's looking like maybe a ghost from a memory, not a literal ghost. Uh, we don't know who Sydney Sweeney plays, but we see her a total of three times in this episode. Camille seems haunted by a memory involving lots of blood and this girl that we don't know yet but we will find out who she is um Camille uh also keeps seeing her sister Miriam um that's mostly whose memory keeps popping up in this episode there is a scene where Gala their maid locks knives away in the kitchen and we're to assume that she is following the instructions of Adora because of Camille's uh self-harm the cops say the nature of this crime is personal. At Natalie's funeral, um, Adora tries to stop Camille from writing notes. So Camille's, you know, continuing her investigation, writing notes in this notebook. And her mom thinks that's a little insensitive to do at a funeral, which it might be. Um, during the funeral, Natalie's mom gives, gives an emotional eulogy. Um, she says that she'll never ever get over this the loss of her daughter this part was actually really sad that eulogy also at the funeral we are introduced to john Keane's girlfriend whose name is ashley and she is comforting him at his um sister's funeral right after the funeral camille bumps into emma and emma's friends and we observe that basically her friends are incredibly insensitive stuck up rude juvenile little bullies they're not they're not pleasant pleasant teenage girls camille sees bob nash being kicked out of natalie's house after the funeral and she sees his car and she makes a connection that his car is the car that detective willis was messing with so i couldn't exactly see what he was doing uh beside the car but i we find out later that he was pulling dirt off the tires to see if they were a match um, for the dirt at the crime scenes. Okay, so at the wake, at Natalie's wake, um, we hear townspeople talking about who the killer could be. And someone suggests that he, they think a pig, one of the pig slaughterers is uh, guilty because they're the kind of people who would be able to pull out teeth. Um, 
Obviously, the civilians are very concerned about who this killer is for town safety, and the parents of teenage girls have a particular interest in solving this crime. Um, Ashley talks to Camille, and she suggests that maybe Natalie wasn't as innocent as her mom made her out to be during the eulogy. And that sounds similar to what we know about Emma in the sense that she is definitely different outside the home around her friends than she is in front of her mom. So that makes us think, was Natalie up to some trouble, perhaps? We don't really know. Um, Camille bumps into some old friends who are horrible gossips, and they are suspicious of John Keane, and they also mention that they think he's gay. In prototypical small-town fashion, um, I, I thought this part was funny. Camille walks away and they say, I hate her dress. I just thought it was like, like just such a, like I said, prototypical small town gossipy thing to say. Um, Natalie, Natalie's dad talks to Camille outside of their house and he gives her some interesting insight. So the first thing is that um, Natalie went missing in a park in broad daylight. Um, he says that Natalie was friends with Anne. And Natalie's dad claims that John loved Natalie and would die before hurting her. So obviously, he's a little bit biased because he doesn't want his son to be the murderer of his daughter. But he claims that they were close and that John really loved Natalie. And he's very certain that John would not kill Natalie. Camille then visits the park where Natalie went missing, and there are some kids playing baseball there, and the kids tell her that Natalie was taken by a woman in white coming out of the woods. And this rumor was started by a boy who was there when Natalie was taken, Um, but the police don't think this little boy is credible, and the story about the woman in white is actually Wind Gap folklore that's been around for generations. The police adamantly believe the killer was a man. Okay, this next scene is a little bit weird. We see Richard Willis, he gets a pig head, and he he tries to take its teeth out with pliers to see how much strength that would take. And he does this in his kitchen sink. It's a little gross. He looks a little unhinged, a little sweaty. Um, Next scene, again, a little weird. Emma is crying and screaming. She's saying it's not right about her dollhouse. Adora says she's lashing out because she just had two friends murdered. Even though Emma is the one throwing a temper tantrum, Adora turns the conversation on Camille and accuses her of being drunk at Natalie's funeral, which is true. It seems like Marion was the favorite child and now Emma has taken her place and is the new favorite child. It seems also like Adora has this obvious blind spot when it comes to Emma. On the one hand, Emma acts immature for for her age, as in this case, um, crying about her dollhouse and screaming. And then on the other hand, we see her flirting with adult men, being crass, being inappropriate, drinking, doing drugs dressing more promiscuously than maybe her mom would like. So Emma really sucks up to Adora, and her mom babies her. Okay, although 
the police claim they have no theories and no suspects. As viewers, we can see that there are three main suspects. So to recap, our suspects include Bob Nash, John Keene, and whoever the woman in white is. Um, both Bob and John claim to, that um, they were away from home driving at the time of the murders. Episode 3. Emma is drunk. Again, not who her mom thinks she is. Um, Camille helps Emma get inside. Um, Camille's got her half-sister's back, it seems. Um, Okay, so we see... We find out who Sydney Sweeney is, finally. We see another flashback. Camille... We see Camille checking into a hospital where she meets Alice in the psych ward. Both of them... um, have history with um, self-harm and they both have these scars uh, all over their body. Alice introduces Camille to music as a means of escape and in the present in the show we do see Camille always listening to music and perhaps this is because of Alice introducing her to music and maybe also as a reminder of her friend Alice. Vickery, Chief Vickery, does not want the killer to be from inside his town. So he starts looking into a trucker who killed two girls ten months ago. He also suggests that the killer is a Mexican hog worker, and he's kind of, actually not kind of, he's blatantly racist during this conversation with Richard Willis. And Richard says this is a crime of passion, and explains that passion doesn't have to equal sex, Um, it can be motivated by something other than sex. I thought that was an interesting thing to say. And he also gives us this stat, nine out of ten victims know their murderer. So the two of them, the chief and the detective, are butting heads. And because Willis isn't from Wind Gap, he doesn't live here, he has a more in my opinion, a more objective outside perspective. He has no motivation to want the killer to be someone outside of Wind Gap, whereas Chief Victory is trying to protect the reputation of the town that he's paid to protect, right? Adora literally walks in on Camille interviewing Bob Nash and tells her to leave. This part was wild. Um, Adora apologizes to Bob on behalf of her daughter, which is insane because Camille is an adult woman doing her job. Um, But in that scene, we find out that Adora tutored Anne, which is interesting. Natalie's mom refuses to talk to Camille, but Ashley says she can get John to talk to Camille. She says, he listens to me. Um, Ashley provides an alibi for John, even though he claims he was out driving. Uh, so Ashley seems a little obsessive, uh, desperate for attention, but she does help Camille schedule an interview with John. Camille in this, okay, talk about weird scenes. Camille follows Emma to the uh, pig farm and there's this creepy little scene where Camille sees Emma get a pig and it's like, we don't, we have no idea what she's doing. Um, Emma's definitely a strange character. But Adora warns Emma about Camille. She says, you are not safe around Camille. 
Detective Willis and Camille drink together that night. They're kind of flirting, learning about each other. Um, the Some teenagers, including Emma, interrupt their little date drinking on the hood of a car. And Emma straight up flirts with the detective. Um, highly inappropriate considering her age. Then Emma accuses him of not being able to do his job. She says something to the effect of... If the killer was standing right in front of you, you wouldn't be able to catch them. Okay, last scene of episode three, another flashback. Camille returns to her room in the psych ward and after making a phone call. And she finds Alice has committed suicide by drinking cleaner. Camille throws up in the toilet and removes a screw from the back of the toilet and slits her wrist, but she's stopped by the nurse. That was a sad, definitely a sad part. Um, okay, last episode I'm going to recap in this podcast episode. Okay, after contemplating going home, even driving, you know, to the edge of town, Camille goes back to Wind Gap. She catches Emma smoking with her friends in her bedroom, and she says, don't tell mom. That's what Emma says. So again, Camille really seems to have Emma's back. Camille meets with her mom's friends for lunch. And of course, they are discussing the murders. Um, And it seems that these women are suspicious of both Bob and John. The women claim that Bob is a bit of a perv. Um, Okay, Camille and Richard then visit crime the crime scenes and they strike up this deal she shows him around and he answers one question on the record for each crime scene so we get a little history of wind gap a tour of wind gap and we see places where past murders have occurred and where rapes have occurred richard tells camille that the mud on bob nash's tires don't match the crime scene she shows him the hunting shed where the porn was hung up, and and he aptly predicts that something happened to Camille here based on her reaction to seeing the shed. Through flashbacks, we know that Camille was raped there as a teenager. Then we see Camille and Richard start messing around right outside the shed, getting a little hot and heavy. Okay, so it seems like the chief and Adora have... A history, maybe they were once lovers, or perhaps they are just very close friends. But the chief is over to visit Adora, and he says about Adora's daughters, one of them is dangerous, and one of them is in danger. What a thing to say, right? Okay, we're introduced to Calhoun Day, which is a 50-year-old tradition in the town of Wingap. And um, that's brought up, it's... it's supposedly going to be canceled this year but Adora says absolutely not and we will find out more about Calhoun Day in the next episodes okay this part was interesting um Adora is talking to Camille and she mixed up this story about Anne with a memory of Camille so she says um that she tried to put her hair in Camille's hair in curlers but she chopped it off um but that's actually a story about Anne. That's something that Anne did. Um, so we just see into their dysfunctional and complex relationship again. Um, 
Adora says, I thought you'd love me, and then my mother would love me. This is in reference to Camille um, being born, basically. Okay, so, end of the episode. Ashley finds blood on the carpet beside John's bed, and she scrubs it with bleach or something. So, Ashley has provided an alibi for John, and now she's cleaning up blood on his carpet. Where did this blood come from? Um, maybe we'll find out. Uh, so, I haven't said much about Camille's stepdad. Um, essentially, we see Adora handing Alan's balls to him every time you know, every chance she gets. Um, he waits on her hand and foot and she is not nice to him. They do not sleep together. Um, Adora says, why do you try and hurt me when he reminds her that he lost Miriam too? He's just expressing that he's sad and she's like, why are you hurting me? So it's, yeah, Adora is quite the gaslighter and quite the manipulator. At the beginning of this episode, we saw that John got fired from his job at the pig slaughter, slaughterhouse, whatever you call it. And then at the end of the episode, we find out that Adora was the one that got John fired. Okay. Oh, there is one more scene, actually, that's really important. We see John at the bar. Um, and, oh yeah, every bar scene reminds us that Sharp Objects is sponsored by Maker's Mark. It seems like we always see the Maker's Mark. That's always what Camille gets. That always what's the, that's always what the camera shows. Um, I think also Absolute. Camille drinks a lot of Absolute. Anyway, Camille is talking to John. She, re- she receives some very interesting insight from him. John says that his sister stabbed a girl at school with a pencil, and that's why they had to move to Wind Gap. He says that Bob Nash called Natalie a devil child. Um, So Bob Nash hated Natalie, possible motive. And we find out that Anne, Natalie, and Emma were all friends and used to play in the hunting shed. Why? strange. That wraps up my summary of the first half of Sharp Objects. Um, But before I go, I want to give a little list of book adaptations that I have enjoyed. Aside from Sharp Objects, okay, let's start with another Gillian Flynn. Um, The book Gone Girl was turned into a movie with Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike. Great movie. I saw it in theaters. I love a movie with a crazy bitch. Uh, my next recommendation is Big Little Lies, which is also on Max. Um, that being said, I could not finish season two. So season one is what uh, happens in the book, and then they just decided to make a season two to continue the story. I didn't get into season two, but season one, amazing. Uh, Third recommendation, Where the Crawdads Sing. This might be controversial, but I think the movie did a good job of creating the appropriate setting and mood. The movie didn't change my life, but I did enjoy it, and I cried at the end, which crying is good. Okay, next recommendation is Bird Box, which is on Netflix. I read the book Bird Box years ago, and I thought this would be a very scary movie, and I was right. Um, I also... Wondered how, if they did turn it into a movie, 
how how they would represent basically the the monster because no one lives to explain what the thing is that's killing people how would they represent that in the movie but they did a great job i loved it okay next recommendation is dexter i was a huge fan of dexter back in the day and it is now one of my comfort shows okay that brings us to the end of this episode i will be recapping the next four episodes of sharp objects in my next podcast episode I know this was a different sort of episode, so tell me what you thought. My podcast Instagram is brookclubpod. Follow Follow if you'd like, and thank you so much for listening.